Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. I'm back. Rodriguez for our Black and White Sports. Well, as we know, last night, frustrations boiled over after the Chiefs and Raiders game. Devontae Adams had an incident last night involving a cameraman when he was trying to get off the field. And... um. As we know, he pushed the cameraman. I will show a couple of different angles of that. But this has taken a turn now. A real turn. I don't understand this. It doesn't necessarily make sense to me. I don't think Devontae Adams was truly trying to be malicious. I don't. He did issue an apology. Um, I, I don't know. But this guy is now filing a police report against Devontae Adams. And the words assault have come out of this guy's mouth. So, look, I'm just going to keep it real here. It feels like this guy might be cruising for a paycheck. But, hey, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. This is out kick, and there'll be an assist from TMZ big time on this. The man that Devontae Adams shoved following the Raiders' loss to the Chiefs on Monday night has reportedly filed a police report against the wide receiver. The credentialed individual who appears to be a camera guy or a boom mic operator claims he went to the hospital with injuries after being shoved to the ground. According to TMZ, the man went to the cops at Arrowhead Stadium just after being pushed by Adams. Authorities told the outlet that the man is claiming he was assaulted. He also claims he suffered, quote, non-life-threatening injuries before being transferred to the hospital. Detectives assigned to the situation, quote, will coordinate with the applicable city or state prosecutor to determine any charges. Adams shared an apology through the media and on social media shortly after the incident. Um, this was actually at 11 p.m., so it was pretty, pretty quick after the incident. Sorry to the guy I pushed over after the game. Obviously frustrated at the way the game ended. And when he ran in front of me as I exited, that was my reaction. And I felt horrible immediately. That's not me. My apologies, man. Hope you see this. The camera guy got in Adam's way. He did. Absolutely. No doubt. As we previously pointed out, Adam should not have pushed the man. But he did directly step in front of him, showing zero self-awareness in the situation. After being pushed to the ground, the individual immediately came to his feet with help from a security guard who came over to help. It certainly didn't look like an injury-causing shove in the video, but he did fall directly onto what appears to be a concrete surface. Surface. So let's look at a couple angles of this. This is this is one, but there's another one now. That kind of looks like a younger guy, too. I don't know. Let's look at this other angle right here that we've got. Let's 
Okay. Well, that, that was certainly a better look at it. Man, I don't, I don't know about that. Really? Unbelievable. Uh, camera guy, Devonta Adams pushed, may think he's a ghost, showed zero self-awareness in the moment. On top of dealing with the police report, Adams will likely receive some kind of punishment from the NFL for the shove. The Raiders have not issued any statement about the situation at this time. Let's look at TMZ real fast uh, to make sure authorities tell us the man claimed he was a victim of assault. Uh, they He told him he suffered injuries. Talk about life-threatening. And it's basically everything I just covered. By the way, um, Adams is... Uh, on that fresh new five-year, $140 million deal. Just throwing that out there. So, there we have it. Filed a police report. The guy is claiming assault. The police has not ruled it assault yet. Okay, there's two different two different things right now. To my knowledge, I can't think of any previous... Issues involving behavior in Devontae Adams when he was with the Packers. I don't remember any. Maybe there's something glaring. I don't remember anything from uh, where did where did they come from? Fresno State or Boise State or one of those states uh, where he played with uh, Derek Carr. God, how come I can't remember that? I, I did automatically know it. Oh, well, you get the point. You get what I'm talking about here. So, again... Be aware that the cameraman is probably aware of Devontae Adams' pocket change. I'm just saying. Unfortunately, that's kind of where we've gotten in society. Among everything else, we're also a sue-happy society. Period. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodriguez for our Black and White Sports. Well, when it comes to social justice or trying to bend the knee, this just proves that it's never quite enough if you give them an inch the sobs will take a mile now we know there is a very very small segment of native americans out there woke ones leftist ones progressive radicals that want these brand names in the nfl mlb nhl they want them to bend the knee and change the names of their clubs, whether it's the Braves, the Chiefs, the Blackhawks, they're under attack. And in this case, we're talking about the Chiefs because the Chiefs jumped out there and decided they would release this uh, nice little woke statement, this nice little virtue signal. And what happened? They came under attack by a woke organization for plain and simple not being woke enough. Essentially, you're still the Chiefs. And now, they've actually been labeled racist. I don't get this. I don't understand it. I've said before, we got a substantial Native American subscriber base. My significant other. Large part, Native American. She doesn't understand 
where these Native Americans are coming from and where they're at that they are so offended by everything. I've said that. I've had them leave comments in the comments section going, I don't get this. I cherish every Native American uh, related sports name that we've had. And of course, we felt terrible for Cleveland Indians and Washington Redskins fans. My best friend is a Redskins fan. He hasn't watched them since they made the switch. He just refuses to. I don't blame him. I mean, good for him. Um, Let's take a look at this because they are under fire. This is OutKick. Native American group blasts the Chiefs for, quote, mocking our culture. Calls teams end racism message, quote, ironic. It's unbelievable. A Native American group, the, quote, not in our honor coalition. Okay. Anytime you hear coalition, just shoot up the deuce and walk out. Protested the Kansas City Chiefs namesake before the team's game on Monday because they feel the team is, quote, mocking our culture. Rhonda Lavaldo, founder of the Not In Our Honor, spoke to Fox News Digital explaining why the group needed to be present at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium before the contest against the Raiders. Damn, there's been a lot of fallout around this Raiders-Chiefs game from yesterday. Especially on Indigenous People's Day. You mean Columbus Day? Was yesterday Columbus Day? I didn't even realize that. I apologize. Quote, here's their statement. It's sad that even though we have won a victory with the renaming of Columbus Day to Indigenous People's Day to recognize the true history of this country... We celebrate that, but we also have to deal with the KC football team perpetuating a racist stereotype all around the world and mocking our culture. You can't look at it as celebrating your culture, possibly? Or we just got to be triggered for the hell of it. Is that where we're going? Those outside our country think we like it and we approve and we wanted to be there tonight to show the team and the fans We don't approve of this, and they need to stop using our culture. The statement they, KC, put out is very hollow because they have never engaged with us or the KC Indian Center, only with their own group who agrees with them. I would like to know who this national organization they are working with is because the National Congress of American Indians put out a resolution specifically calling them out. KC knows what they are doing is wrong. They ban the headdresses, BS, face paint, but this is still racist. The whole message on the helmet is ironic with stop hate and end racism. Do they not realize they are being racist against one specific race by doing the chop? Isn't that like 100,000 damn people doing that chop? I mean, seriously? We needed to be there to take a stand for all our indigenous people quit speaking for all of them why don't you indigenous family that objects to the cultural appropriation and we are always glad to represent our people wow man there was a lot of bullshit social justice in that statement was there not the chief statement Lavaldo is referring to from the organization's acknowledgement earlier Monday regarding indigenous people's day quote Today's the Chiefs organization joins people all across the country in recognizing 
Indigenous Peoples Day, a chance to honor and celebrate American Indian peoples, histories, and cultures, the statement read. We will continue the important dialogue with local and national groups to identify ways to educate ourselves and our fans by raising awareness of American Indian communities and rich traditions. We look forward to celebrating American Indian Heritage Month of GAHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday, November 27th, when we take on the Rams. So let me get this straight. You've got an actual full day dedicated to American Indians, and that's not going to be enough for this group, I guess, okay? It's not going to be enough until the Chief's name is gone. Chief's fans, they are after your name right now. The Chiefs did ban headdresses, costumes, and face painting that resembles Native American cultures two seasons ago, as as Lovaldo alluded to. The National Congress of American Indians issued a statement in 2020 after the Chiefs made that announcement saying they hope the team uses it as a first step to more changes. Absolutely nuts. NCAI views the Chiefs' announcement modifications as positive yet modest steps in a long and ongoing educational process that ultimately will lead to comprehensive change, change that respects the humanity, diversity, resiliency, and vibrancy of tribal, tribal nations, cultures, and peoples. We remain committed to the process as long as the team in the NFL is committed to genuinely listening and learning. Their website, website stated on September 10th, 2020, quote, Not in our honor is a Native American group of students from some liberal-ass university. Gotcha. From Haskell University and the University of Kansas, who has been protesting the namesake of the Chiefs for quite some time. Wow. Wow. Like the Atlanta Braves and the Blackhawks, the Chiefs are one of the remaining teams that still have Native American ties. Teams like the Washington Commanders and Cleveland Guardians has since changed their names. Due to pushback, it should be noted, the fans in Cleveland, even though they won this year, decided not to show up to baseball games. Just thought I'd point that out. Uh, and, of course, the, I mean, the Commanders, Redskins, their football team, their ownership, Dan Snyder's a dumpster fire rolling downhill on a tire fire. But that's neither here nor there. It's never enough. It's never enough. Kansas City Chiefs, you did all these things. You banned the face paint. You banned the headdresses. You made, you came out with your nice little woke statement out there, virtue signaling. And, and hell, I didn't even realize yesterday was Indigenous Peoples Day. Okay. Uh, Columbus Day, you mean? Is that the day we're talking about? Was yesterday Columbus Day? I didn't know. Um, I, I, I can't keep up. I mean, there's so many of these a-holes that are making changes all over the place. I mean, who can keep up now? Wow. Kansas City Chief fans, your team is on the list. They are coming. You've got a great quarterback. You've got a really good team. You're competitive. You recently won a a, a Super Bowl. It's not going to matter. These Wokes are coming for your team name. We're going to see how long Kansas City, the Chiefs, hold out the Atlanta Braves have come out and made a stance that they are not changing the name. At some point, ownership in KC needs to come out and say, look, the name is never changing. Give up. But this shows a bunch of fear. You've bent the knee so many times. You've given them an inch. 
They're going to want you to take. They're going to want the mile. They're going to want the mile. The finish line for them is the abolishing of the Kansas City Chiefs. Historically great name. That's great. You want to talk about a great group of fans up there. Awesome group of fans. Fantastic. Tech nine. He's out of Kansas City. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Peace. I'm out. Until next time, Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. All right, guys, midterm elections on November the 8th. Now, out here in Texas, we have early voting. I believe it's October the 24th. Early voting starts. I will be going out there and I will be casting uh, my vote. And if you are an American citizen, I highly recommend that you actually go out there and vote. If you are an American citizen, that is the key word right there. American citizens are the only people that can actually vote in the midterms. Now, we've seen uh, where New York City tried to uh, let non-citizens actually vote. And then the uh, New York uh, State Supreme Court said, nope, that is violating the state constitution. And these Democrats, man, they're trying to really, really ride a fine line on getting non-citizens to vote. And that is completely unconstitutional, folks. Why would you want foreign nationals voting in elections, whether it's on the local level, the state level, and especially the federal level. And actually, guys, I believe that local elections are probably a bit more important. And that's where these Democrats have really, really been trying to push the envelope here when it comes to non-citizens voting. And folks, I truly do believe that is probably one of the reasons why the southern border is wide open. Violating the Constitution, boy. But anyway, let's talk about Colorado here, man, because, boy, yesterday there was some massive news that actually dropped. And, boy, these Democrats, man, they got an answer for this one. They're calling this an accident. But um, do you really believe that this is an accident, folks? Let's go over here to Daily Wire. Colorado officials, quote, incorrectly sent out 30,000 voter registration postcards to non-citizens. Yes, folks, 30,000. How in the hell is that actually sent out incorrectly? I mean, that is a massive gaffe if this was just an accident. I don't know if I believe that this is necessarily an accident right here, folks. This is very, very disturbing right here. Extremely disturbing. Now, Colorado is actually one of 17 states that that actually issues a driver's license to uh, non-citizens. Now, over here in Texas, when um, when you renew your driver's license or you get issued a driver's license on the application, it actually does ask you if you want to uh, register to vote. So just throwing it out there. But it says here, Colorado officials claim they accidentally sent approximately 30,000 postcards last month 
to non-citizens instructing them how they could register to vote. Completely illegal. First reported by Colorado Public Radio News, Democratic Secretary of State Jenna Griswold's office said department employees had sent the postcards on September 27th after comparing a list of 102,000 names provided by the Electronic Registration Information Center, a nonprofit organization aiming to improve U.S. voter rolls and advocating residents to vote. Does that seem like it was actually improving? Not to me. But anyway, um, it says this quote, the department has become aware that approximately 30,000 EBU eligible but unregistered postcard mailers were sent incorrectly uh, to ineligible Coloradians. A spokesperson for the Colorado Secretary of State's office told local media, uh, quote, the office is undertaking an internal review of the incident and will take any corrective action that is warranted. Griswold insisted non-citizens would not be allowed to register to vote. Now, folks, my question is, why are we actually just seeing things like this happen in blue cities or blue states? Colorado is a blue state. Something similar happened here in uh, Harris County. Now, it wasn't that they actually sent out mailers to uh, non-citizens, but um, when it came to the primaries, there was 10,000 uh, votes in Harris County. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that 7,000 were Democrats, where all of a sudden those votes um, weren't actually put in an account. Something was very, very fishy about that. And um, this is only happening, it seems, with uh, Democrats. But anyway, the postcards, the postcards, which um, the office printed in English and uh, Spanish, read, quote, a message from Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold. Our records indicate that you or your household may be eligible to vote but do not appear to be registered at your current address. Now, my question is, why are they printing this in Spanish? I'm very, very curious about that, because when it comes to um, the United States, pretty much most people are going to speak English. Most of them are, but they're sending this out in Spanish. Now, I know we don't have an official language here in this country, but I'm just curious about that. Now I'm in Texas. Everything is written in uh, English and in Spanish over here uh, because we have a huge uh, Mexican-American population here. But even they speak English. I'm just curious about that. Uh, the mailers did not include. Did, did include, I should say, that um, to vote that residents must be 18 years old by election day. A U.S. citizen and a Colorado resident for at least 22 days before the upcoming election, according to Colorado Public Radio News. Griswold's office said they plan on sending out correction mailers to the non-citizens, quote, reminding them that only those that meet the above requirements are eligible to register. According to local media, while the office had compared the list of potential unregistered voters to local DMV records, 
the data had included non-citizens with Colorado driver's license, which the state issues for non-citizens to drive legally. The National Council on State Legislature shows website shows Colorado as one of at least 17 states, including uh, D.C., that issued driver's license to non-U.S. citizens. However, the system did not distinguish their eligibility to vote. Folks, I got a major problem with this. This is why people actually question elections. When you see things like this, 30,000, man, that is a lot of people right there. A lot of people. And these mailers were actually sent out. Wow. You people in Colorado, I know a lot of you people are Democrats out there. This is a problem. You should have a problem with this, even if you are a Democrat. I mean, voting is for U.S. citizens only. Only. And these midterms, man, they're they're very, very important. It's going to determine, you know, the next uh, few years here in this country, because we know that Joe Biden is destroying this country. Boy, this should scare a whole bunch of people, folks, that this actually happened. 30,000 non-citizens got this mailer. Unbelievable. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white network fans, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Network. Well, I got sent this little tidbit from uh, somebody that told me, hey, you need to check out Senator Kennedy's new campaign ad. Of course, he's out of Louisiana. Louisiana is about an hour from me as the crow flies. Uh, Shreveport is maybe an hour and five minutes away, I guess. I'm here in uh, East Texas. Uh, But we know who Senator Kennedy is, and he, generally speaking, has a very unique way of describing things. I appreciate his sort of down-home delivery, frankly speaking. Um, So... I don't know what this ad's called. We're gonna it's a campaign ad. We're gonna do a reaction to it. I have not seen it. Uh I do notice when I looked it up that uh <laughs> it says call a crackhead. I, I don't know what to expect, frankly. Um this is in fact one of our local stations. This is a uh I think a station out of Shreveport. Uh, Louisiana political ads light up social media as primary approaches. Louisiana's primary congressional election is coming up November 8th. Politicians have been working hard to create political ads that catch attention and secure votes. Several ads from Louisiana candidates have attracted huge online attention. U.S. Senator John Kennedy's most recent ad has lit up social media. I'm not even going to read what that says 
because I want to actually just watch the ad. So uh, what we're going to do is let's just pull up the ad and we'll just do a reaction right here. Violent crime is surging in Louisiana. Woke leaders blame the police. I blame... Yeah, I mean, Latoya Cantrell has successfully uh, gotten New Orleans to the number one murder capital in the United States. I've done a video on that. Let's. Sorry about that, but I, I did want to throw that in. Violent crime is surging in Louisiana. Woke leaders blame the police. I blame the criminals. Right. A mom should not have to look over her shoulder when she's pumping gas. I voted against the early release of violent criminals, and I opposed defunding the police. Amen. Look, if you hate cops just because they're cops, yeah. the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. <laughs> He's on and I approve this message. Oh, shit. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Oh, damn. <sighs> violent crime is sir early release of violent criminals, and I opposed defunding the police. Look, if you hate cops just because they're cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> oh, man. Senator Kennedy brought the house down. Oh, shit. I didn't expect that. I mean, look, he's got great delivery and all kinds of creative ways of saying things. Is there any more perfect way to put something? I mean, really, if hey, if you want to vote for defunding the police and you don't like the cops and, and you think the cops are dangerous, well, next time the guy is trying to mug you or chase you down into your apartment, uh, hey, that some bitch that's over in the corner that's about half passed out, try to wake him up. Maybe he can help you. But don't call the cops if you hate them so much. Wow, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Let's 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 go back. We'll just we'll just look at some of the reaction. Um reaction from this right here. Uh I don't know what this article is gonna fully say. The ad has gotten the meme treatment being shared tens of thousands of times online. It's also got his opponents talking. Democratic challenger Gary Chambers called the ad racist and said in his own and said in his own video, quote, we need leaders who have real solutions to problems in communities, not cowards like John Kennedy who drop one liners and do nothing on the job. You piece of. So let me understand this. Why is this ad racist exactly? Gary Chambers, are you literally saying crackheads are only black? I mean, that's is that what you're saying right now? Because I would not understand why the ad would offend anybody of any other ethnicities if you're not implying that crackheads are largely some other race. That seems odd to me. That seems odd. Because I'm willing to bet, look, I'm willing to bet that law-abiding citizens of any ethnicity, any race, actually are not offended by that ad whatsoever. That's my, that's my gut feeling anyway. The ad then appears to buffer with a swirling circle over Chambers' face. 
so he doesn't finish the line. Less contentious, but just as headline-grabbing in a recent digital ad from congressional candidate Katie Darling, a production crew followed the North Shore mom to the hospital as she gave birth to her son. She talks about abortion rights and said she's holding her newborn baby, baby in the hospital. I'm running for Congress because I want that better path for you, for her, for him. Uh, so, anyway, that's that's all I had to say about uh, uh, Kennedy. But um, since I saw that guy in there say that, I just thought I'd bring that up. I mean, are we are we saying that only crackheads are black? I mean, I just wonder, because like here in East Texas, there's plenty of white trash meth heads around this bitch. I mean, just to be real, <laughs> hell, they're white. I mean, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't understand the point that he's trying to make, and he, unless he is trying to heavily imply that all crackheads are of a different ethnicity, if you're saying the ad is racist. I'd love an explanation on that, Gary Chambers. As for Senator Kennedy... I've got to say, he's he's just flat a national treasure, I believe, at this point. Yeah, when he goes, we should put him in carbonite. Is that a thing? I don't know. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Sports 2. Well, we're going to talk about these roughing the passer penalties because there has been a hell of an uproar in the last couple of days over two of the worst Roughing the passer calls we have ever seen. That one, well, that one again cost Atlanta the football game the other day. And I think that's really the reason that one in particular has got so much attention. Because, yeah, Atlanta probably wins that game if that call does not happen. Okay? So it directly affected football games. And Jerome Boger's, um, his actual explanation was just insane i mean look a media member tried to get him out of some hot water by leading him down the tua path and he was like no i'm not necessarily had anything to do with it i don't think (laughs) i was like okay um look that's part of the problem here i'm afraid and there's been a lot of fallout around that tua injury because it was so public and i'm afraid it is going to truly affect football games. And this may be a byproduct of it, okay? Uh, Even more protection on quarterbacks as if they already... I mean, they're coddled, for crying out loud. It's a completely different NFL game than it was 15 years ago. I mean, look, CTE, that whole scandal you know, has hurt the game in a lot of ways. It's definitely hurt the on-product that we're seeing on the field, in my opinion, anyway. Well, this just came out. I don't know that it's going to go anywhere. NFL to mull roughing the passer penalties amid outrage. The NFL plans to discuss roughing the passer penalties 
Amid outrage over two disputed calls in week five, a person with direct knowledge of the matter told the AP, this is ESPN.com, the person speaking on condition of anonymity because the conversations are internal said the changes to the rule are not expected during the season. The person also said the league has not given officials a directive to emphasize roughing calls following the Dolphins quarterback Tua Tonga Vailoa's concussion. Do we really believe that? I don't know about that. NFL owners will meet in New York next week. The league's competition committee, composed of six team owners slash executives and four head coaches, make most of the recommendations for rule changes. Teams can also propose rule changes to be voted on by owners, which require 24 votes to pass. Look, they got very publicly called out by NFL Hall of Famer, former Dallas Cowboy uh, quarterback Troy Aikman last night. Very On Monday Night Football, national audience, which also shined a light on this, with that Chris Jones uh, roughing the passer call on Derek Carr, Troy Aikman literally come out and told the NFL to let, let the players take their dresses off. I mean, he was telling you that the, the game is a bunch of candy asses right now. And it's because of what the league is doing involving rules and these penalties and such. So that's very public criticism. And I don't know if the NFL is thinking, look, we need to at least look into this. We just got called out on national television by Troy Aikman. I did a video on that on the main channel. And I mean, hell, it's getting views right now. I guarantee it. One idea suggested by Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones, Monday night after he was flagged, might to be allowed video review of roughing calls. I don't see anything wrong with that. I really don't. A lot of people don't like reviews. I do. If it will get the call right, by all means, we've got the actual technology. Review the play. I want it right. If I'm going to watch, regardless of who I'm rooting for, I want the call right. Protecting quarterbacks is a priority for owners who pay big bucks for the faces of their franchises. The 25 quarter 25 quarterbacks are making at least $25 million this season. That's on y'all. The questionable call against Jones, the second in two days, nearly cost Kansas City in a 30-29 comeback victory over the Raiders. Yeah, if the Raiders would have come back and run, uh, won that game, Man, this could have been a lot worse and a lot more outrage this morning. The Chiefs had just scored to trim the deficit to 17-7 when Jones stripped Raiders quarterback Derek Carr from behind just before halftime. The Pro Bowl defensive tackle landed on Carr while also coming up with the ball. He replay, The replay shows it was clearly loose and that Jones cleanly recovered it. But the referee, Carl Chaffers, threw a flag for roughing the passer. Quote, the quarterback is in the pocket. He's in a passing posture. He gets full protection of all aspects of what we give the quarterback in the passing posture. Sheffers told a pool reporter after the game, my ruling was that the defender landed on him with full body weight. He did not. He did not. The quarterback is protected from being tackled with full body weight. On Sunday... Falcons defensive tackle 
Grady Jarrett was flagged by referee Jerome Boger for seemingly harmless sack on Tom Brady. The penalty gave the Buccaneers a first down and allowed them to run out the clock on a 21-15 victory. Boger made a similar critical call late in the fourth quarter in the Ravens-Bills game a week earlier on a play that many also thought didn't warrant a flag. Boger called another borderline roughing penalty in the Falcons-Buccaneers game when Vita Vea pushed into Atlanta quarterback Marcus Mariota. The roughing the passer is the only rule where referees are instructed to err on the side of caution. The NFL rulebook notes, quote, when in doubt about roughing a, rough, a roughness call or potentially dangerous tactic against the quarterback, the referee should always call roughing the passer. Jones, who has been flagged for rushing the passer nine times in his career, has a solution. Quote, we've got to be able to review it in the booth. You know what I mean? Jones said, I think that that's the next step for the NFL as a whole. If we're going to call a penalty at that high a rate, then we've got to be able to review it and make sure because sometimes looks can be deceiving. I got to tell you, um, I like that, actually. I do. I do like that. So, wow, a lot of fallout involving roughing the passer penalties. The NFL is claiming it has nothing to do with Tua's injury. But do we buy that? I mean, let's just look. That was that was a very public public injury being on Amazon national streaming as I guess they call it now, but yeah, supposedly 10 plus million people watched that. It was the only show, the only game on at the time. Then it looks like the league is blatantly trying to protect Tom Brady the other day. And hell, I'm a Tom Brady fan, but that was a bullshit call. Absolutely a bullshit call. And then one of the NFL's flagship number one team analyst, NFL Hall of Famer, calls out the league for some sissy plays. For, for protecting, overprotecting, putting the players in literal dresses. Now, Troy Aitman got attacked by the Wokes over that, but, I mean, it is what it is. It, look, the only thing I think should theoretically be protected on a quarterback is, yeah, you're w- trying to watch for the head stuff, and I get that, but the knees, that's it, okay? When they... When they go to throw that ball and that knee is extended, they're in a very precarious position. But this is also supposed to be the NFL, right? And that's not National Flag League. It's not. It's supposed to be football. There is a risk, an inherent risk, that these players agree to take if they're going to take the field. Wow. The NFL sounds like it's in a panic right now. They're getting the NFL's getting destroyed over these calls the last two days. I mean, just raked over the coals, justifiably. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. All right, guys, we're less than one month away from the midterm elections. 
And in this video, we're going to be talking about uh, the Senate race over in Georgia, where Raphael Warnock, the fake pastor, will be going up against former NFL player Herschel Walker. Now, your media has been digging up a bunch of dirt on Herschel Walker. There's a bunch of stuff with his son also. I'm not going to get into that because um, the mainstream media is really, really trying to trash Herschel Walker. But when it comes to Raphael Warnock, the fake pastor, they're not going to say anything to hurt his chances of actually keeping his seat in the Senate. And guys, I've been pretty clear about Herschel Walker. You cannot be a pastor and be pro-abortion. You cannot go into the church in the pulpit on Sundays and preach to people when you call for the slaughter of unborn children in the womb. You cannot do it. But your media, they're not going to actually hold him accountable on that because they're not going to ask him any type of hard questions. Well, guys, we actually have some uh, dirt now on Raphael Warnock. And by the way, folks, I found out the other day, I believe this is um, in 2020. His ex-wife accused him of like um, being physically abusive or something like that. Yeah. No coverage whatsoever. None. And if you actually uh, Google Raphael Warnock uh, right now, you're not going to find anything from the mainstream media. Nothing from NBC, ABC. What we're going to be talking about here in this video. Also CNN. Well, guys, Raphael Warnock is the pastor of a church in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. That does quite well financially, by the way. They really, really do. But they also own some buildings, one particular building here, and they rent out apartments to tenants. And guess what they actually did, folks? They actually have been evicting poor people. Yes, during the pandemic. Remember, Raphael Warnock is a Democrat, and the Democrats said, hey, stay at home, don't go to work, none of that stuff. But yet, they were actually evicting people. And folks, some of it was such a low amount of money. He should be ashamed of himself. His church should be ashamed of themselves. Evicting people for as little as $28 behind on rent. Yeah. Here we go, guys. Report. Raphael Warnock's church tried to evict tenants during pandemic. Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock. Church reportedly tried to evict tenants during the pandemic while he raked in a hundred and twenty thousand dollar a year salary and a seven thousand four hundred and seventeen dollar monthly housing allowance from the church on top of his Senate salary. Raphael Warnock is sitting pretty nice financially and the church has given him over seventy four hundred dollars per month just for housing. That's not even including his salary. So he didn't have to worry about having a place to live, but poor people, poor tenants, they were getting evicted. It says here, Warnock's church, Ebenezer Baptist Church, attempted to evict eight tenants from an Atlanta apartment building uh, the nonprofit owns for as little as, check this out, $28.55 in overdue rent. And they tried to evict these people. According to financial documents obtained by the Washington Free Beacon, financial statements from 2021 show Ebenezer Baptist Church is doing quite well financially with liquid assets of more than one point two million dollars. But they were trying to evict people over twenty eight dollars. 
This is not very Christian, folks. Columbia Tower at MLK uh, Village in downtown Atlanta, a facility that caters to the chronically homeless and those with mental disabilities, has found itself uh, sued a dozen times during the pandemic. One of the latest lawsuits shows a tenant was asked to vacate the apartment building for $4,900 due in back rent, a sum that is nearly half of Warnock's monthly uh, pastoral housing allowance. Columbia Tower resident Philip White told the Free Beacon he was served an eviction notice in September for past due rent of $192. Last year, he was also serving eviction notice for just $179 for past due rent. The eviction notice was allegedly dropped after paying uh, outstanding rent and $325 in fees. This is just unbelievable, guys. Listen to this quote. They treat me like a piece of shit. They're not compassionate at all. White said a 69 year old black Vietnam veteran. Now, remember, the Democrats supposed to be uh, black people, right? Hey, you can't vote for uh, Republicans, you know, because they're racist, but um, vote for us. And by the way, stay on that Democrat plant- plantation. And if you can't afford your rent, even though we you know we're supposed to be Christian, we're going to evict you. Yeah. Now, it says here, meanwhile, Warnock received a large $120,000 salary and a $7,417 monthly housing allowance from the church during his time. Perhaps more ironic is Warnock's rhetoric during the pandemic in which he warned that families could be evicted. Yep, this man is a hypocrite. Uh, He also slammed his political opponents for not going along with federal housing pandemic subsidies as, quote, clearly only concerned with serving their own interests. Well, it looks like you and your church are actually serving your own interests by evicting residents for as little as $28 in back rent. This is what he put out in uh, December of uh, 2020 when he was actually still a candidate. And actually, it was a runoff, actually, by the way. He put this out. He says pandemic unemployment benefits and eviction protections will expire this month. And it's all because uh, talking about Kelly Loftner and Senate Republicans refuse to fight for families. Pandemic relief is at stake in the Georgia Senate race. But your church tried to evict people. Yeah, you did. During the pandemic, Warnock reportedly reportedly uh, more than doubled his income. While serving in Congress, Warnock's reported 2021 income includes a Senate salary, $164,816. Ebenezer Baptist Church salary, $120,964. Ebenezer Baptist Church housing allowance, $7,417 per month. Uh, Penguin uh, Random House book deal. He also has a book deal. $243,750 and speaking fees of $5,750. Warnock, who is being challenged by football star and Trump endorsed Herschel Walker in the Georgia Senate race, has been accused of running over his ex-wife's foot. Yeah, that's what I was talking about right there. His ex-wife told police after the incident that Warnock was, quote, a great actor. Warnock also allegedly failed to reimburse his ex-wife 
for child care costs, leaving her financially strapped, according to a court filing. So this man is a wolf in sheep's clothing. But your mainstream media refuses to actually cover this. They're going after Herschel Walker, you know, because they're definitely pro-Democrat. And when it comes to uh, Raphael Warnock, he's not pro-black. He is just pro-Democrat. Guys, I got to tell you, man, this man is evil. Multiple reasons. And then we find this out. This apartment is supposed to be, you know, for like homeless people, people with uh, mental health issues. And if you get behind on your rent, we're going to try to kick you to the curve. Unbelievable, guys. But I'm not surprised. The mainstream media will not cover this. Make sure you guys actually share this video wherever you can, because we need to expose Raphael Warnock for what he is. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white network fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. I'm back. Rudrians for a Black and White Network. Well, better late than never. And I think we kind of knew it was headed in this direction because she's been extremely outspoken against the Democratic Party over the last 18 months. But... Tulsi Gabbard has officially announced she is leaving the Democratic Party. And um, also, she urged other moderate Democrats to get the hell out. Why? Well, all the all the reasons that we chronicle on this channel. Uh, wokeness is a massive part of it, right? Uh, sort of a, a poison pill, if you will, uh, to anybody that's sane. I mean, come on. Um... CRT, drag shows involving kids, uh, uh, you know, uh, condoning violence, letting criminals out early, defunding the police, inflation, gas prices, my God, uh, no control over the border. <laughs> Should we keep going? I mean, my God, it's a dumpster fire rolling downhill on a tire fire, and Tulsi is officially getting out. I wonder if there is not something political back in the darkness right now, okay, involving Tulsi. And I'm not going to say what I think it is, but let's put it this way. It wouldn't shock me if she's gearing up to be someone's running mate. That is what I have to wonder. Tulsi Gabbard, foxnews.com, Tulsi Gabbard leaves the Democratic Party, denounces its elite cobble, elitist cobble. And there is a little video that she posted on this, and we'll take a look. Former Democratic presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard announced she left the Democratic Party on Tuesday, denouncing the organization as, quote, an elitist cobble. Gabbard, who retired from the House of Representatives in 2021, attacked the institution in a nearly 30-minute video posted on her YouTube account. Good luck with that, Tulsi. She did not announce plans to join the Republican Party or adopt any other political affiliation. I actually have no issues with that. If she wants to just be independent, fine. 
Uh, I know a lot of, of people that voted for Trump that actually don't consider themselves Republicans. Quote, I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is now under the complete control of the elitist cobble of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divided us by racializing every issue and stroke anti-white racism, Gabbard said in an excerpt posted to Twitter. She went on the call on other moderate Democrats to follow in her steps. So let's take a look. Let's listen to what Tulsi's got to say here. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, Wow. Who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans. Who believe in open borders. Who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents. And above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. Okay, so, and there she is calling for fellow Democrats to get the hell out. Quote, I believe in a government that is of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, for the powerful elite. I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. Gabbard's announcement served as an inaugural episode of the Tulsi Gabbard Show, a podcast she is now running. I'm definitely going to listen to that. Gabbard has grown increasingly estranged from the Democratic establishment since her failed candidacy in 2020 presidential primary. She also became a vocal critic of President Biden, denouncing him for pouring fuel on the flames of division in the country. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich praised Tulsi for ditching the Democrats in a Tuesday statement on Fox News. He argued that she was one of many Americans who traditionally have voted blue but now the Democrats find unrecognizable. Quote, Gabbard has always been sort of an independent maverick, Gingrich said. And I think when she ran for president, she realized how really isolated she was from the great majority of the Democratic Party, which now, frankly, is a pretty weird party. I think you're seeing this drift, and we're certainly seeing it among Latinos, a huge drift towards the Republican Party as they've driven away by the weirder policies of the Democratic Party. Uh, Newt's right about that. I mean, you know, I was talking to somebody that that I used to do business with years ago, and um, they considered themselves to be a Democrat, but they acknowledged, they were like, our party's like turning into a bunch of socialists, you know? 
you know, and they were like, I don't know how much longer I can, I can do this. Uh, it's just a different party. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I give Tulsi some credit for making this move. I mean, in today's political climate, uh, we know the kind, but they hate her anyway. I was going to say the kind of criticism she can take, but, uh, she seems to be able to handle it. She is ex-military and, um, good job. Again, I wonder if she's preparing for something politically that's much, much bigger. Uh, I will say this. Um, can you look at somebody like Kamala Harris and then look at somebody like Tulsi Gabbard and realize how intellectually superior somebody like Tulsi Gabbard is to somebody like Kamala Harris? It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's flooring. You know, Joe Biden goes to pick a running mate, and he picks a total and complete buffoon who obviously got it due to gender slash race, whatever. Uh, She checked a bunch of boxes. But that just dawned on me because, you know, uh, Tulsi ran for president at one time, and look who we have as a vice president now, even a president. Um you know, I we felt this coming in the same way that really, I mean, Liz Cheney is not going to be part of the Republican Party anymore. It's funny because Democrats used to refer to Liz Cheney as like Darth Vader's daughter because of Dick Cheney. But, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, so there it is. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard is had enough. She's officially making the change. She's officially throwing the deuce to the party of the complete and total radical lunatics over that now encompass and make up the Democratic Party, it's unrecognizable. It truly is. It truly, truly is unrecognizable. So there it is. She officially announced that she's bouncing. She's out. So am I. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Sports 2 fans, let's talk about the NFL and Tom Brady. There seems to be a trend going on right now ever since uh, Tua actually sustained a head injury. Now, on Sunday, we saw Tom Brady uh, really benefit from a call that I was very, very critical of where the Falcons actually were penalized for roughing the passer when it just seemed like a clean sack. And it really was. And the NFL has come out of the fire. Uh, last night during the uh, Chiefs game, that was actually another call very similar to that one. That, that one may actually have been worse. It just may have. Now, I saw people out there saying that, um, hey, Tom Brady um, went to the officials, request a flag. That really doesn't bother me at all, folks, because we we seen many, many times. Anytime like a wide receiver doesn't actually make the reception, he's always looking around for a flag. And I believe that um, players are actually taught to do that because every time they don't get the ball, they don't get the reception. You always see them throw up their hands like, where's the flag? And we know it's not going to happen. But anyway, Tom Brady did address um, the roughing the passer call that he actually benefited from. Now, Rose said on his video that he believed that the Falcons would have won the game if um, that caller would have went their way. I'm not really sure. They still had to go down the field and score a touchdown. So we really, really don't know. 
But um, Tom Brady actually um, got pretty comedic with um, his, his response um, addressing the controversial call. Here we go, guys. Tom Brady on controversial call. I don't throw flags. I throw tablets. That's pretty funny right there. But let's read some of this, guys. Tom Brady is addressing the controversial penalty called in his team's favor during Sunday's game against Atlanta Falcons, saying, don't blame me. I don't throw flags. I throw tablets. Uh, quote, as I said after the game, I don't throw flags. Brady joke on his uh, Let's Go podcast, Jim Gray. What I do throw is tablets. I didn't have one accessible at that time. Uh, Falcons defensive end Grady Jarrett was penalized for roughing a passer after sacking Brady on a pivotal uh, third and five play with about three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. The call was, um, let's say, questionable. It was a terrible call. Uh, Brady admitted uh, Jarrett uh, wrecked habit Sunday afternoon, saying, quote, he is in the backfield all day. He had a hell of a game. I'll leave it at that. Well, um, when it comes to tablets, Tom Brady seems to have a history of actually uh, throwing um, the Microsoft uh, Surface tablets. And I'm pretty sure, guys, that the NFL is probably actually regretting um, actually having these tablets now because I'm pretty sure they are spending a lot of money on tablets. And the NFL has come out and said, hey, guys, don't destroy any more tablets. Those things aren't cheap. Now, before tablets, maybe younger guys don't actually remember. It was all by paper, like when offense came off the field, whether it was a turnover or something. They would get these, um, I guess, still images, and they would look over that and flip that. Now they actually get tablets. Now, it seems like it's been in a stone age since we actually had a paper. But really, folks, it's not that long ago. I believe 2017 is when they actually um, went over um, to tablets now. But um, the NFL has a real problem. They really, really do. Um, Tom Brady, all quarterbacks, wide receivers, all of them looking for flats when things don't go their way. It's just a part of um, the game, really. It really is. Even though I agree the call was terrible. Jerome Boger coming out and defending that call. Nah, nah. He, I'm not buying what he was actually selling. I'm not buying it whatsoever. It was a terrible, terrible call. And the NFL officiating has had a terrible week making calls. They really have. I mean, that was the story of the week. It isn't about the teams that actually won a game. I mean, the Buccaneers won a game. Even though the Kansas City Chiefs last night won that game, they came back from um, a big deficit and they won the game. But everybody was talking about that roughing the passer penalty. But uh, what do you guys think of this? What do you guys think of Tom Brady making fun of um, the roughing the passer call? He says that he doesn't throw flags. He throws tablets. I thought that was pretty funny, guys. So I wanted to share that with you guys. So that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports two fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Sports. Well, I cannot imagine being in a space 
where you see a call like this and you hear a call from Troy Aikman, who's a really good broadcaster, and it's amazing how quick Joe Buck and Troy Aikman elevated Monday Night Football's broadcast. Uh, but they're one of the A teams in the industry, along with Al Michaels and whoever he's with, and uh, Nance and Romo. Still, I think Nance and Romo's probably my favorite right now. Uh, but Troy Aikman last night with Joe Buck was calling the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. A really damn good game, by the way. And there was another, another terrible roughing the passer call. And I can tell you right now, after the Tua injury, this is only going to get worse. I mean, the on-field product, which has been watered down anyway in the league over the last 15 years, where defense has largely been trapdoored and the physicality is continuing to be took out of the game due to what? Oh, well, an obvious overreaction to concussions. Well, last night there was a terrible roughing the passer call and by, on Chris Jones, and Troy Aikman called out the NFL over it. And he made a completely benign comment that blew the heads off of every freaking woke liberal on Twitter that was watching the game. Oh, my God. It wasn't about the call. It was about Troy Aikman's comments. And most of these, and this is what the most frightening thing is, you would think it would be a bunch of, like, radically progressive liberal women. No. It's the men. I mean, they're probably wearing panties, but it's the men. And I find that so frightening that there are grown men that were offended by Troy Aikman's comments last night. Wow. I just can't even imagine being in that headspace. Outkick. Troy Aikman says it's time. We take the dresses off. After another atrocious roughing QB call, the woke mob loses their mind. I, I, I don't get it, but okay. ESPN Monday Night Football analyst Troy Aikman is facing heavy pressure after saying something live on air that wasn't very politically correct. During Monday Night Football's coverage of the egregious roughing the passer call on Chiefs DL, Chris Jones, Aikman made a comment on how soft the league has gotten and telling NFL players to, quote, Take the dresses off. So, let's look at the play first. Let's watch. All right. There's the play right there. Now, I don't see anything wrong with this. No, there's, there's, not, a, there's not a thing wrong with that play. It's benign. It's completely benign. Uh, there, there's no way in hell that roughing the passer call should have flied. Well, here we go. This is Troy making his comment. The competition committee looks at this in the next set of meetings, and you know we take the dresses off. Committee looks at this in the next set of meetings, and you know we take the dresses off. Okay, so Aikman said, "Look, the league is getting too soft." That's all he is saying. The league is getting too soft. A guy that was a hard-nosed quarterback. He was like Favre. He was like Young. They all took a lot of vicious hits. And the league is getting watered down. And Aikman called out the NFL for it. There's nothing wrong with that. And this comment was completely benign. I cannot imagine people getting 
triggered over that comment. I just can't imagine that that's a thing. And grown men stop that shit. It didn't take long for the PC mob to rip Aikman as a, quote, misogynist and calling on ESPN to discipline the play-by-play vet over a nothing burger of a remark. Wow. Troy Aikman is a former NFL quarterback who suffered multiple concussions in his career, and he thinks the competition committee needs to look at changing these roughing the passer calls. That says it all. Well, it sounds to me like this guy was actually behind Aikman on his comments. But then came the woke mob. How much is ESPN paying Troy Aikman to spew misogynistic jokes on Monday Night Football? Oh, my God. I, I, I hope that Aikman does not does not apologize for this shit, but I got a bad feeling about it. The refs flagged Jones for shifting his body weight on car during the sack, which got zero support from Chiefs fans and NFL fans. Oh, come on. I We just watched it. That was bullshit. Oh, so let's go down and look at some of the reaction from the woke mob. Troy Aikman on awful QB roughing call, quote, I hope we take the dresses off. Don't love Aikman saying the players need to take the dresses off. Just the call sucks, my man. That's a grown-ass man offended by this. That's a grown man offended. Joe Summers, another uh, supposed grown man. Troy Aikman can't be saying shit like, quote, it's time to take the dresses off. Why not? Why can't he? Look at this guy. J.J., Red White Man's Guilt by James Baldwin. Who gives a frick what you read, man? Really? Oh, God. That, 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 That name should just tell you where this guy's at. NFL officiating is trash and always will be. But Troy Aikman using any opportunity he can to be misogynistic. Quote, I hope the competition committee looks at this and we take the dresses off in reference to the game being called too softly should be the headline. Rachel Blackstar, uh, with her actual effing COVID mask in her profile pic, if that tells you anything, Troy Aikman can, quote, get bent in caps for his take-the-dresses-off comment during Monday Night Football. Are you freaking kidding me at NFL? I'll be anxiously awaiting your BS apology statement. That was some crap. Gross. You being offended by this crap is gross. I'm offended that you're offended. There we go. Listen, terrible call, soft as hell. But can Troy Aikman do away with the 90s talk of taking the dresses off, just say what you mean and don't insult people to do it. It isn't hard. Dude, go away. Just go away. Did Troy Aikman say he hopes the competition committee lets the players take the dresses off? That's problematic. Oh, God. I mean, for frick's sakes. When you see words like, that's problematic... That in itself is problematic. I cannot imagine waking up and being a spa- in, a, in, in a space where you are continuously offended by everything. And I'm sorry. I think a lot of this is like fake outrage. I do. Uh, and if it's real, then 
my God, immediately seek freaking therapy. Seek therapy. Because I can only imagine, what is your contribution to society exactly? Besides being continuously offended by something. These kind of people, I'm going to keep it real, not overreacting. These are the people ruining our country right now. These are the people that the scary part is, is probably raising some men or males or boys in their households. And, and, and those kids will not grow up to be actual men. They won't. They'll be a bunch of like SpongeBob's. I mean, it's, it's going to be ridiculous. Um, wow. A- absolutely nuts. I cannot imagine going out of your way to run to Twitter. You're listening to the game. You hear Troy Aikman's comments. You grab your phone and you're like, I'm, I'm offended by that. That's really pissed me off. Get a life, man. Really? Get a life. Being perpetually and continuously offended is a mental health issue. I'm sorry. I think these people are mentally ill. I truly do. You have to be. If you waste your time on this, you have to be mentally. Something's got to be mentally wrong. It's crazy. It's crazy. Our country is getting so soft. And so our men are getting soft because of people like this. This is what's not normal. Wow. Unbelievable. So the question becomes, how long before Troy Aikman has to issue an apology? Because it is woke ESPN, right? He's going to have to probably come out and bend the knee. Or he's not going to have a job. I mean, he's not walking away from a $25 million gig or whatever it is. Maybe he won't. I mean, I hope Troy doesn't. He shouldn't. I don't see a damn thing wrong with his comment. But that's what happens. These corporations will bow down and kowtow to a very minority segment of the population that acts like they're offended. That's what we've witnessed over the last three years is them making decisions over a fraction of people on Twitter. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Make sure you use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word will get you 25% off. Go get them right now. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports.